the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. On the 5th of August, the tanker Maersk Etienne rescued 27 people, including a child and a pregnant woman, from a small boat at the behest of the Maltese authorities. But since then, the vessel, its crew and the rescued migrants on board have become something of a political football, kicked from port to port as nation-states argue the toss over whose responsibility it is to disembark those rescued at sea. The moral obligation to save a life at sea is simple and straightforward. Inevitably, the legal and political position is not. My first guest this week is Maria Skipper-Schwen, Danish Shipping's Executive Director for Security, Environment and Maritime Research. Welcome to the podcast, Maria. Thank you very much. This is a political problem. This is not a shipping problem. But yet again, shipping has been left carrying the can for politicians either unwilling or unable to deal with it. You've been pretty close to the political dialogue in Denmark, where I know this is the source of huge frustration. Can you give us uh, an idea of what's been happening in the background to this story? Well, as you rightly put it out, Richard, this is a political problem. Um, Danish uh, vessels and and merchant vessels in general have been involved in many search and rescue uh, operations in in the Mediterranean since 2014, 15, etc. In 2014 alone, Danish-operated vessels rescued more than 3,200 people in the Mediterranean. Back then, um, the operation was quite simple, um, to put it a bit bluntly, as disembarkation could take place within a day after the rescue operation. So in a matter of two to three days, including disembarkation of, 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 of the vessel, the vessel was back on on wood. So the problem really is now that the the coastal states of the Mediterranean, for various very understandable reasons, have closed down their borders for migrants. But that does not take the legal obligation or the moral obligation away from the ship owners, the seafarers. Mm when they do the search and rescue operations that they are asked to do by the Mediterranean MRCCs. Well, exactly. And it, the the intricacies of the uh, migrant uh, issue is, of, as you say, it's, it's a political issue, but it is not one that the shipping industry is there to resolve. There is a legal and moral obligation on ship owners uh, and captains to rescue people in distress at sea. And by and large, that has always been the case and always carried out with integrity and efficiency by the industry. But if the industry is looking at this and wondering how they are going to manage with an increasing problem, we can foresee a situation where the shipping industry is going to have to make some fairly difficult decisions. Now, do you think, are you, are you getting any understanding that, you know, that we, we're now approaching a situation where ships are avoiding their responsibilities as a result of this example? Well, I mean, we, we unfortunately, we hear that there are, you know, uh, stories of vessels basically turning off their radio system when the uh, when they go through the Mediterranean, especially when they're closer to the, to the Libyan border. That is just completely unacceptable. Um, of course, these are <laughs> it, these are rumors, but the MRCCs know they have an overview. They know exactly what vessels we're, we're talking about. 
that is completely unacceptable. And I can't imagine that any self-respecting seafarer would turn his back on uh, uh, people in distress at sea, neither a, a responsible uh, shipping company. But it's obvious that when you have conventions that oblige the captain to to do the search and rescue um, operation, then they, they need insurance that the authorities and the international society will then take it from there in terms of safe disembarkation. Well, absolutely. I mean, the seafarers themselves, of course, uh, in many cases have been at sea many months uh, over their allotted contractual obligations because of the COVID crisis and the existing problem we have with disembarking the crew. This is now obviously exacerbated by the uh, the migrant rescue issue. Um, and it does rather seem that uh, shipping has once again been left out of sight, out of mind in terms of uh, the political responsibility. I mean, presumably from your perspective, what we need here is some clarity uh, in terms of the international conventions and about what happens after the rescue. That That is the issue that needs to be sorted here. Exactly. I mean, this is unfortunately a perfect example of these conventions not being fit for purpose uh, today. Um, and with the situation and the political environment that we have um, nowadays, these conventions were written and agreed upon when times were different. Mm. But they need to correspond to reality because otherwise you do leave the good seafarers, the good companies, the decent and the responsible companies with, 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 the, with the punishment. Right now, Moskutian has ended up being taken hostage in this political conflict, and that is just not that is just not acceptable. Mm. And you know, it should be stressed at this point. I think it's fairly obvious to those within the industry, but Maersk themselves have been doing everything they can in order to resolve this uh, through the you know legal and political means. But it does yeah, but seem it, that they have rather been left carrying the can on this one. Exactly, and you know what? It is not for Maersk tankers to, to, to find a solution. This is for the authorities and the international society. Maersk tankers have fulfilled their obligation legally and morally. Now it's up to the authorities, governments, etc., international society to follow up. We've seen calls for intervention from the likes of the International Maritime Organization and beyond, but given the um, lack of progress that the uh, the industry's regulatory forces and uh, industry representation has been making in terms of the existing crewing crisis. I mean, do you do you have any um, any hope that uh, we're going to see any uh, any political progress on this, or is this just going to continue to be uh, a political issue with with shipping once again caught in the middle? Well, I know that um, the Danish government, uh, the Danish authorities, are working day and night uh, on a solution. But it is very, very difficult and all options, wh wh whatever you choose to do here, it seems like we keep hitting a wall because nobody wants these migrants and they are part of a much, much bigger problem than just the 27 people on board Moskutien. But the 27 people on board Moskutien and the fact that they've been there for 37 days now is a huge problem for, for, for not only most tankers, but the industry in general, because this is not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when this will happen again. Wonderful. Maria, thank you very much for joining the Lois List podcast. You're very welcome.
anger is growing within the maritime community about the treatment of the Maersk Etienne crew and the migrants they rescued more than a month ago. We've heard calls this week for a change in the law in a bid to ensure that such a situation never occurs again. And with somewhat limited expectations, there have been again calls to the IMO to step in and do something beyond issuing a, another statement politely suggesting that something really should be done. To discuss the situation in a little bit more depth, I'm joined by two of Lloyd's List's finest, Janet Porter and David Osler. Welcome to the podcast, you two. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Now, you've been covering uh, this issue from slightly different perspectives, but you're also both veterans of such stories. And I think it's important to note here that this is not a new news story. So I'm interested to know your thoughts on what's happening here and what can be done. Ships rescue people at sea all the time, often in treacherous conditions and having performed such heroics you would have thought that the easy bit was in getting the rescued people off the ships that's clearly not the case dave you've been talking to the lawyers what's the legal position on all of this well the legal responsibility to help migrants is absolutely clear under article 98 of the united nations convention on the law of the sea a master has a duty to quote render assistance to any person found at sea in danger of being lost, um, unquote. So it couldn't be clearer than that. Um, Also, that can be backed up by criminal sanctions, especially on the part of the flag state. However, of course, we we, we all know that some flag states are barely capable of enforcing law on land, never mind at sea. So some might interpret that as a free pass. The obligation on any country to accept the migrants once they're picked up seems to be a legal grey area. I mean, there isn't any watertight responsibility on any of them. There are various United Nations system resolutions in favour of them doing so, but they don't have the force of covenant. Mm. And the... The technical difference between where the migrants are picked up is, of course, crucial here, because if the rescue is performed within a nation state's territorial waters, there is some clarity. What we are talking about is the uh, opaque area uh, in terms of what happens when rescues take place in uh, international sea, basically. Yeah, as as a lawyer from one law firm told me, The closest coastal state should permit the ship to dock and deliver the refugees. But the reality is simply that many don't. Mm. And of course, this was a rescue that was performed at the behest of Malta. Um, And, uh, you know, in some respects, many would argue that the moral, if not legal responsibility was on Malta to accept people that they had asked to be rescued. They don't seem to think that way. Indeed. And of course, um, we're seeing backlashes against asylum seekers in many European countries now. They're not out of the ordinary in that context. But um, is it what? Well, while it's not a huge country, obviously, it is essentially 27 people. Um, I, I think they should accept that they do have this moral responsibility, and yeah, it rests with them as a nation state um, rather than with mass tankers as a private company. Mm. Well, you pointed out yourself in one of the uh, leaders that if you compare to the GDP of Malta, which is by your own admission, a fairly small European state, 
versus the uh, economic output of Maersk. Maersk is very much the more sizable entity here, but Maersk's turnover is three times larger or getting on for than Malta's GDP. But of course, the crucial difference is Maersk doesn't have a seat at the United Nations. Indeed, or at or the at European the Union. Indeed, although I, the, the political context, of course, is uh, well, it's obvious to us here in Europe, but we have listeners outside of Europe where it may not be quite so clear. But Malta, uh, particularly, and uh, southern Italy have become focal points of uh, a migrant crisis within the Mediterranean and do seem to be picking up disproportional amounts of rescued migrants uh, and taking responsibility for them. The legal and political position within these countries, of course, is that the European Union as a whole should bear some responsibility for the work that they are doing. That in turn has become a political hot potato um, uh, within a Europe that is uh, contesting some uh, interesting boundaries in terms of nationalistic politics. But this is not, of course, a political problem that is going to be resolved by the IMO or the shipping industry. To some extent, the political concerns of who resolves these problems are very much outside of shipping. And yet, uh, and Janice, I'll come to you here, the shipping industry, of course, is left to pick up the pieces. It has once again become the political football. We've heard from uh, Danish shipping earlier in the podcast about how there is now evidence that you know ships are actively avoiding getting caught up in this uh, uh, political quagmire for fear that uh, you know they're going to run into problems. That's obviously unacceptable, both legally and morally. But the captains of the ship owners are in a difficult bind here. Yes, I think I think well, one thing I'd like to point out is that this particular issue involves um, one of the most powerful shipping families in the world, and yet even they have found themselves powerless in this. You know, the Merce McKinney Moller family. They are one of the biggest and, and a very responsible owner and they've you know, done their best. They always do the right thing at sea. But they've found themselves completely powerless in this situation, it would appear. Um, also the flag state, I mean, it's a Danish flagship. And I think I understand that, in fact, Denmark has been working hard behind the scenes almost from the very start to get this, find some resolution. Mm. So, um, and I... You know, Malta okay, is easy. I guess you have a little bit of sympathy for Malta. It is a small country that's being overrun, but it does. Um, it is another. It's a powerful, big flag state. They want to be a maritime nation, so they should accept there is the, the responsibility. But I think the the longer term consequences of this can be really serious because, as you say, maybe captains will just now refuse their owners. You know, the owners or the or their you know, country ask them to pick up. Uh, migrants, maybe they'll just refuse. Who would penalise them? Maybe the crew will rebel. But also you could say maybe charters, maybe shippers, maybe insurers, perhaps even the unions are quietly saying, make sure your ships don't go anywhere near somewhere where they may have to pick up migrants because nobody wants to find themselves in this position again. You've always Mm. got seafarers who've been stranded at sea for months and months and months because of the whole COVID um, quarantine situations and now people that should be treated as heroes are being just ignored so i think that there could be all sorts of longer term consequences and while we know that morally and legally they should pick up people who need to be rescued i wouldn't be at all surprised if ships do just quietly ignore those requests mm. well let's hope not i mean as you say uh, to date we have you know seen only the the best principles of seamanship and uh, you know integrity 
from from the owners operating and as you say Merce themselves have uh, done everything by the book albeit landing themselves in a, a position that is um, untenable in the process I, I think, think the- I think what has to happen though that as, as Dave pointed out there is a, there's a clear gap in the law even if you can't you can't, can't get the law changed quickly it will take years to adapt so less or other legal conventions but there has to be an understanding even if it's just within Europe of what the plan is you know once migrants have been picked up within seven days for example they must be landed somewhere and that can be a European understanding I would have thought um, because you think again supposing this had been a foreign-owned ship under a foreign flag sailing through the Mediterranean they, they say this is not our problem why should we bother you know it is a Europe at the moment is the ones to try to take the initiative on at least getting a short-term solution I would have thought and these are two EU flag states um, they're being asked to take it to an EU country. So in a way, I think Brussels does have to try to intervene in the short term, even if not in the longer term. Mm. Meanwhile, of course, this is actually getting some play in terms of the uh, national and international media as a, a, a real issue. Uh, one can only imagine the feelings of the crew stuck on board ships for the last six months that have been largely ignored by the international media's responses to this. Yes, I mean, certainly this case has has received a fair amount of international attention. I know it's been on BBC and New York Times, but the point is it still hasn't got resolved and it's now into the sixth week, I think. And they're just I've just looked, the ship has not moved and it's just going around in circles just off Malta. I believe that they have been given fresh provisions, so they're not running out of food or water yet. But I mean, you've seen some of the photographs, the conditions on that ship are horrible. This is a tanker. It's not, you know, the normal crew of 21. It's really not designed to accommodate another 27 people. They're sleeping all over the place. They've, you know, they're sleeping on metal floors. And all of them, you know, whether it's the crew or the migrants, the conditions are just terrible. Indeed. And yet, because they're out, more or less out of sight, nobody seems to want to try to sort it out. It doesn't, I don't get the impression that anything is being done to really speed up a resolution to this particular incident. I desperately hope we don't have to revisit this story on the podcast, but it feels like this is not a story that has been resolved and one that will probably be coming back onto the agenda. But for now, uh, Janet Porter and David Osler, thank you very much for joining the Voiceless Podcast. Thank you.